So even though the personal introvert I am, only a couple of times that I'm kind of intimidated by preaching, one of those times is um, when you are coming down off the mountain to go back into the valley and do the hard work with the failed disciples, the frustrated father and the lunatic child. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and we had a mountaintop experience this week, and... Um, Brandon called in reinforcements, so so he so praise team's okay. They are smooth. That <laughs> was smooth today. We have over a hundred of our ladies who went to the hills instead of going through the valley, and so they're in the Branson area with their retreat, been planned for months, so they're away for that. So with 100 plus ladies there, that means we've got like 30 men here who are taking care of harvest kids that normally don't. We've got another 30 men who had to dress themselves this morning, and you can tell it. (laughs) And you can tell it. (laughs) And, uh, you know, another 30 fathers who were not able to wrangle the kids and get them here on time. So they're they're late. But uh, praise the Lord, we get uh, the opportunity today to, to... Uh, You know, let the Lord bring us through those things that are just, as someone said, they are the another day in ministry, just another day in ministry. And this is how we follow Christ and follow his steps and all these things. So um, one thing to pray for a week from tomorrow, the pastors will be away on their annual retreat. So we get away for two, two days, really two full days, parts of three days. Um, in order to figure out the budget for the next year and project the calendar for the next year. And we got a lot on our plate this year because, Lord willing, selling this building and moving to another, just 1.0 miles east, not even 1.1. But it's missionary work because it's the other side of Seven Highway. And uh, so we'll do that. But uh, we have a, so just to give you an update, we have a real estate contract that we have signed with Timothy Lutheran for that property. And uh, we are waiting on a real estate contract from the school district who's going to buy this property. And so they offered, they said they would buy this property for full appraised value, and then we will buy Timothy Lutheran for about a million dollars difference, and we have to close with the school before we close with Timothy Lutheran and take those proceeds, because we're all paid off here. Uh, But also, just to let you know, I think that, uh, so we can't just turn around the next day and be gone. Uh, It'll take us a month or more, I think to move, and uh, they, it looks like probably they will charge us $10,000 a month to rent this building back after we have sold it to them, and that is just business. Now, when I came here 11 years ago, things were in such a dire strait, um, and I just told God, I said, look, just don't make me sweat the finances, and he didn't. But there are also things I know that I have to do so that none of us have to sweat the finances. One thing is, we teach you biblical giving, right? I mean, that's a whole lesson in discipleship is on giving. So we teach you about tithing because no Christian would be so stingy as to not give God one dime out every dollar. I mean, the, the percentage is uh, infant, you know, like God only wants that. I mean, God only says start with that, and so it's, that is so small, but it's got to come off the top. It has to be the first fruits. So you start there, 
then I also know that just like with the Apostle Paul, I don't need you to give. I don't need your money. God doesn't need your money. I don't need you to give, but I do need you to know there are things to give to. So Paul, after assuming the tithe, because that was not part of the Old Testament law, and after assuming it, as he did on several of the other Ten Commandments that are not explicitly reiterated, uh, he says, look, you know, some of you believers need to be giving a special offering for suffering saints in Jerusalem. So there's the example. So we have a fund. It's, we call it Focus Fund, which is just an acronym for foundational stuff, our vision and mission. So this is over and above our budget. This is over and above tithing. Um, occupation, our ministry, communion, our fellowship, union, our defense against demonic attack, salvation, our solution for the world. Focus. And so we open that up from time to time for offering. So last year, uh, Go Conference, we got like $18,000. That's how we knew we needed to do that and do this again. And, and that went toward what you experienced this last week. So far, we've got about 6000 in on that. But I need to let you know there's something to give to. And so we'll keep that fund open. You can go on the website. You can do giving. Uh, the drop-down menu will say focus offering, and, um, you know, then that will go specifically to the GO Conference uh, for the next uh, couple of three weeks. So I uh, need you to know that, and, I, I, you know, probably a confession is good for the soul, so just to let you know, I got here this morning, I'm like, hmm, I don't think I've given yet, <laughs> and that's how I know how to do it online, because um, I, I just did that this morning. So go ahead and bump elbows with your neighbor. We need to pray, because i got to talk to the men today, with at least some of the ladies listening. And I know Peter did the same thing, but, but the problem is Peter started with women. And we will see why as we go through this. And I don't have that advantage, because Peter didn't have all the ladies away in Branson <laughs> the day the epistle arrived. So I've got to do a reverse and have to do the men first. We'll do the ladies next time. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. God, we need to speak to you, Lord. Speak to us through our minds, into our hearts. Let it get down into our soul. The Spirit of God answers to the Word of God. Lord, we need your power. All of us do, but especially the men in this church do. And so, Father, I ask for not just a special word, but a special ministry of your spirit today as we go forward. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you. May be seated in the Lord's presence. So this series is on adulting in the home. The question on the floor this morning is, what does Christ bring with him when he walks into a human life, when you invite him into your life? Now, there are a lot of relationships that you have, both male and female, that the person coming into your life has baggage. And with a lot of those things, you are sorry you ever looked in the bag. Not so with Jesus. And I want us to see from the Bible what God puts into a man's heart that makes him function like Christ as a husband, as a father, and as a single man. 
And so rather than speaking exclusively to either single or married men, I really want us to discover what a man is to have in his heart toward the ladies, toward his mother, toward his wife, toward his children, toward his friends. Now in the next sermon in this series, we'll then take the same, this same chapter and we're going to do open heart surgery on the, on the women to discover what Christ brings into their heart toward the men in their lives. But if you have your Bible with you, turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, and let me just warn you men in advance, especially if your wife is here, not on the retreat, but she is here and she is sitting next to you. Let me warn you. She is your rib, but yours are going to be sore. So just... Just warn you in advance. One verse I'll most always read at every wedding I perform is Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ, as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And obviously, a man who is a husband needs to have love in his heart. So when we do open heart surgery on the man, we're supposed to find love. The problem is that word love is used in so many different contexts today and very casually that I am not sure that we recognize what we are supposed to be looking for. We love our job. We love barbecue. We love the chiefs. We love our car. So there is a general sense in which we men understand love, but is that all we are supposed to find when we open up the heart of a man who is a Christian man? So this is a very critical command because it is uniquely given to the men. There is no Bible verse commanding the wife to love her husband in the same way that this verse commands the men. There is a reference telling the older ladies to help the younger ladies to learn how to love their, how to love their children and their husbands. But the command, that's given to the man. Now next time we're going to see the woman's command regarding what she has to do. And God's made no mistake. He's recognized some unique attributes that belong to men and women, and they are different, and so they do require Christ to bring a different thing into their heart, something that we should see in the life of a Christian man or woman by way of obedience to the command. So here's our thesis for today's study. While a man's greatest need is for the assurance of her respect, a woman's respect, a woman's greatest need is for the security of a man's love. And God's recognition of that is seen by what he communicates in his word. <coughs> the Beatles sang back in the day, all you need is love, but okay, is that true? I mean, and here's my real question for the real people sitting right here in the real church. We say that. We want to eliminate hatred from our society. We say we want to eliminate hatred in the world, but do we know what the love is that will replace it? Now, the Greeks thought they did, so they called it storge, which is love if you are family. They called it phileo, which is love if you are friendly, and they called it eros, Love if I'm romanticized or aroused by you. 
And yet all three of these natural loves are insufficient. They're not self-sustaining because they all rely to one degree or, or another on actions or on the status of the person who's being loved. So either they are family, they are friend, or they are lover. But there is in the Bible a supernatural love, a love not from the natural man. The Greeks had a word for that also. It is the word agape. It is the love that Christ brings into the heart of every man and woman who gets saved. Now, in the King James Bible, the word agape is often translated charity. Let me hit you with the definition. This is because charity is love defined by its actions in spite of its feelings. This is the love we all share at the Lord's Supper, as we will do in two Sundays. This is the love that Jesus asked Peter if he had toward him as he had smoked fish and had a meal together with Peter on the beach. God's love always acts for the betterment of someone else without any demand, any expectation of anything in return. So God's agape, supernatural love, is a self-sufficient, self-sustaining love which will act with charity regardless of the responses of the object being loved. This love is love which does not have to have an insurance against heartbreak before it loves. This love is a love which does not have to find someone trustworthy before it loves. Look, don't trust people. Trust God and love people with this love. Because charity is free grace love, because it is given as a gift. And that is what Paul means when he says, you men who are husbands, love your wives. Why? Because you need to follow Proverbs 10.12. I didn't even write this one down on your handout. Proverbs 10.12 says, hatred stirreth up strifes, so stop it. But love covereth all sins. Peter later quotes that and says, love covers a multitude of sins. I mean, there's not every sin that you can cover with love. But in terms of relationships, in terms of husbands and wives, in terms of adulting in the home, then love is going to cover most sins. So you, you who are men who are single, love the ladies. Do not eros the ladies and look at them as an object of infatuation. Do not phileo your wives and love them only if they are friendly. Do not storge your wives and love them only because they are family. This is our first point for study. Men must have charity in their heart when they have Christ in their heart and they need to bring that into their home. You need to bring that into this church. We need to take that into society. And that means you love them in such a way that your orientation as a man is to meet their need and to do that regardless of what you get in return. Now, that's going to change a whole lot of relationships right there. I mean, it's going to change a whole lot of homes right there. Because this one thing if it were done by all the men in our church today, would bring revival to every family. 
And I'm not saying that the devil would not fight that with whatever mess he can bring from your parents, your spouse, or your children on their side. What I am saying is that you consistently persisting in this biblical adulting in the home makes you an overcomer in every defeating circumstance. So you can be defeated and still be an overcomer. Because most of the problems we have with people as men is tied to the fact that the other person is not family, does not act friendly, or does not arouse us. So when God commands, you must love. It has nothing to do with their attractiveness, their friendliness, or the fact that you're now related by marriage. Why? Well, look at Romans chapter 5, verse 8 on your handout. Because God commendeth his love toward us. How did he do that? If we're supposed to love as Christ, how did he do that? In that, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I mean, do you understand just how much an infinitely holy God has to hate sin? The Bible says God is angry with wicked air day. And when he looked at you, he not only saw your evil actions, he not only heard your evil thoughts, he knew your evil attitudes, he saw your rebellion against him, he heard your cussing and fussing, he knew that you would smoke and chew and kiss the girls that do. God said, I hate sin, but I've demonstrated my love towards you. I did that on the cross. And I cannot stand how you walk, how you talk, and how you feel, but I sent my son to pay for those sins and take your death and your eternal punishment in his infinite person in your place. So, men, we've got to love not just as Christ loved the church, You are the church. Don't you love God even when you think he did you wrong? Well, maybe that's your problem right there. That, that is the love a man has to have in his heart because it enables him to love all the people he doesn't even like. Like is phileo, lust is eros, but love is charity. And that is why Jesus says to us men in Matthew 5, he says, he even says this, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Golda Meir, one of Israel's early leaders, the fourth prime minister in the history of their nation said, we can forgive the Arabs for killing our children, but we can never forgive them for forcing us to kill their children. Peace will come when the Arabs will love their children more than they hate us. Nobody likes their enemies, you know, people who hate your guts and they're out to destroy you. God says, look, you don't have to like them, but I can bring love in your heart for them, charity love, action love, So do not rely on your love. I mean, this is something that Christ brings with him when he makes your heart his home. Watch Romans 5, verse 5. And hope maketh not ashamed, 
Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. It's not on you, it's on God. We receive His grace love in order to display His grace love. That part is on you. So here's our second point for study. Real love from a real man has nothing to do with what he gets in return. Because what he gets in return does not fuel it and cannot extinguish it. So let's expand this concept from a couple of other passages. John 14, verses 21 and 24. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. You want God's presence? You want his power? Verse 24, He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. So there is a direct correlation between real love and the things that you do. Biblical love is not romantic phraseology turned into a good rap. Charity is always demonstrated love. Look at Calvary. There is something to be shown. Biblical love always shows itself by the way that it acts. So when you say, I love God, but you do not obey his written words, God calls you out as a liar. Because here's our third point for study. Charity can always be measured by how it acts toward the object of its love. If you were to ask Delana, do I love her? Well, in terms of biblical love, the answer is measured in terms of what I do. I can tell her I love her all the time. That doesn't mean I'm loving her. Love is not concerned about your vocabulary alone, but your actions that ought to include the right vocabulary. Therefore, John 15, verse 12, this is my commandment, that ye love one another as... I have loved you. Okay, how have you loved me, Jesus? Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Now that's given up a whole lot. I mean, I mean, we're talking about sacrifice that requires and involves your entire life. And Jesus isn't even talking about marriage here. He's talking about being a disciple. He's talking about you and me in this church right now. And I understand you will not hear this type of talk on the street. This isn't going to be the most watched YouTube video. Uh, you know, I just, uh, we're not, I'm not going to get popular for this. I mean, in the, in the barber shop, in the bar, and from your buddies, they will all tell you, you don't have to take that off, no woman. On the street corner, they'll say, you don't have to take that. Now, you need to stop and consider that is exactly why they're, they're on the street corner right now. <laughs> so on the street, they have a warped definition of love, a natural definition, one that is reasonable to the natural man, which does not include self-sacrifice, if need be, in order to demonstrate itself. So in the bar, or even on the bench... 
Judges Bench, they've developed a warped definition of manhood that deceives you into stopping short of fulfilling biblical love. And it's crazy when man comes up and says, well, why did God make me this way? No, baby Baba, you got the same lust that I got, maybe in a different area, but doesn't matter. We are all sinners like that. This is your chance to follow Jesus' steps and show and share his love because you, you think you were made that way. So, you know, it's real easy for a married man to find a different woman who will marry him after the last one got dissatisfied and left. That's, that's pretty easy. But it takes work to continue to love someone that cannot stand you. I mean, that's, that's the manly work by Bible command. It only takes a boy to leave for somebody else who has not had to live with him yet. That, I mean, that part's easy. But only someone with Christ in his heart can do the manly work of adulting in the home by proving his love, even in the face of rejection. So let's get, let's get jiggy with it. Let's uh, go one step closer to the practical solution by cracking open our base passage here, 1 Peter chapter 3, because we need to answer two questions in order to complete this part and develop this part of what is in a man's heart. Number one, how do you look at others in order to be able to love them? And number two, what do you do to begin to love them biblically? Verse 7, likewise, stop. The word likewise means we're building off something, and what we're building off of is found both in what is commanded to the women in the prior six verses and what we will find at the end of the previous chapter. So keep a finger here. Go back to chapter 2. The man, because he's the man, has to do everything she's commanded, which, which we'll see next time, but also look at verse 21 of 1 Peter 2. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Some of you men are suffering in your relationships. You are suffering from your wife, from your mother, from your daughter, from your girlfriend if you're not married. And, you know, I, 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 if I say husbands love your wives even as Christ loved the church, I don't want to hear you say, but Alan, that was Jesus. Maybe Jesus could live with her, but I can't. No, don't say that, because here's our fourth point for study. Because the point of Jesus' resurrection was to provide you both things, both an example and an empowerment to, with his life in your heart, follow as his disciple. What were his steps that we are called to follow, verse 22, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. So he was not guilty, and he didn't start the argument. Now watch his steps, because he did nothing wrong, and yet he got all the blame, verse 23, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. Sometimes you win the argument because you refuse to argue. Hello, somebody. And sometimes that is the only way to win it. 
I mean, he could have said, I ain't going out like that, and I ain't going up like that. I'm not going to be dissed by no mortal human like that. Don't they know that I can cut them loose and create me somebody else? I don't got to deal with this. But when he was messed over, he did not mess over in return. There was no idea of what goes around comes around uh, as his philosophy of life. And what was in his heart was what made him complete a whole man. What is it that makes you human and restores you to God's image and gives you mental health? Well, this is our fifth point for study. It is when what is in your heart is what enables you to respond like the man Christ Jesus. You need to take a mental health day just to study Jesus. But now wait, because I think I hear something else being said. Verse 23. Who when he, when he suffered, he threatened not. Okay, he did not say, treat me like that again. You're going to be picking yourself up off the floor. What did he do instead of threatening back as the more powerful person in the relationship? Verse 23, he committed himself to him that judges righteously. To him who at the right time always justifies the truth. Now, what is your motivation, men, in following his steps? Verse 24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Whose sins did he bear? Okay, how many sins do you have? Would you say that generally speaking, so I'm not pointing out anyone in specific, I'm stereotyping here, but wouldn't you say that generally speaking, men are more sinful than ladies? I mean, would you say that probably you've had enough falls in your heart even after you got saved to condemn you to hell about 10,000 times over? Do you think then, when you look at how Christ handled your sins, that it should give you any motivation at all about how you must bear someone else's disrespect of you? I mean, after all, the first thing Jesus says after teaching his disciples the Lord's Prayer is in Matthew 6, Verses 14 and 15, for if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if, if you cop out, well, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses in the sense of being restored to fellowship with him and his presence and power being with you and you walking in him. So I'm not trying to be hard on you compared to the ladies. I, I'm just trying to get you to see how you can best expect your own failures to be forgotten. And here's the theology behind how it can happen in verse 24, that we being dead to sins should live under righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Could it be? That the only way your wife, your daughter is going to come around is by the stripes that you are bearing for her on her behalf. I mean, some of you brothers, I know you're about to talk back to me. You're about to talk back. Say, look, preacher, don't, you know, don't talk crazy. Maybe we need to have this as a discussion in one of our men only meetings. 
and I'm sure we do need to have some more men-only meetings. And I fully understand the risks that I take this Sunday, and I will take uh, first uh, Sunday in November in looking at the ladies, because the risk is this, that she will do the wrong thing with what I'm telling you, and she will use it to make her discontent about you. And she will set a standard you can never, never live up to. Now, because there is a sense in which none of us ever live up to perfectly being Christ. Not male or female, none of us, not me, not you, not anybody. Not in this life. And you should be Christ-like and you should be progressing in your sanctification. But if any of you ladies are taking what I'm saying right now to make you dissatisfied about your husband, you are in sin. You are using this wrong. I'm speaking to him. You need to listen to what I'm going to say to you because what I'm going to say to you from Peter, what Peter's going to say to you will correct that in you because he's going to say you got to respect him even if he's unrespectable. So it'll correct that. So don't use this in the wrong way. Jesus bore the stripes so that you could get the healing and men, you are to walk like Christ in your home and in the world. You are to love in your heart with his love, which enables you to respond as a mirror of how he did and follow his steps. Verse 25, for ye were as sheep going astray. Well, hello, somebody. That's modern American counseling right there. But are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. You were going in the wrong direction until the time he bore your stripes. But when you saw him willing to bear injustice for you, that's what turns you around. The street is going to say, you don't have to take any stripes. Give back as good as you get or get out of it. And man, I know some of you are concerned about seeing people saved. I mean, you've got friends that you want to see get saved. You've got family members. You've got co-workers. You've got parents. You've got, you got people you know you want to see get saved. So men, this is on you. Because until you and I are willing to, disres- to take disrespect and injustice in this way, with a love that reacts in the best interests of the object being loved, irrespective of their actions, until we do that, we will not see God working like we want him to work. And we need him to work. So this is a path right to revival in our homes because following his steps leads you to resurrection. You may have to die first, but it leads you to resurrection. And the only way which enables you to fulfill what our base passage says in the next chapter, look at it, 1 Peter 3, verse 7, likewise ye husbands, stop. Likewise who? Like I just exhorted the women before you, because for that to work for them, you've got to follow his steps. So just like Jesus, verse 7, dwell with them according to knowledge. Dwell with them as men of knowledge. Now wait, that means you need to be knowledgeable of the things the Bible says about how to be considerate of them, how to relate to them, what your responsibilities are toward them. 
live in a way that reflects the fact that you have an understanding of what God says. Therefore, you need to follow these steps contrary to what every other modern version says. Almost every other modern version says follow in Jesus' steps. So the Christian Standard Bible says that, the ESV says that, the New American Standard says that, the NIV says that. They all say follow in his steps. And the word in is not even in their corrupt Greek manuscripts. I'm just telling you. I mean, our word in is I-N. The Greek word in is E-N. And it is not in the verse not in the manuscripts the King James translators hand and not in the ones they've corrupted that all the modern translators, translators come from. But they retranslate it because they don't understand what is being said. No, baby Baba, you need to follow these steps because these four things I'm going to give you are the steps to take when a man loves a woman. Number one, he studies the Bible so well, he knows how to interpret her. One of, the, one of the problems we have in relationships is we give too little time at the kitchen table with our Bible, a notebook, and a concordance. Too little time studying out for ourselves everything that God has to say about our roles as men as employees, as husbands, as fathers, and letting God speak directly to us so the Spirit of God can answer to the Word of God in our life. So forget the complicated regime of the enigma of womanhood. That is beyond your comprehension anyway. You need to know where you stand by the Word of God. You need to know how to take a stand with your boss, your children, or your mate based on what the Word of God says. Now, I love you, and I'm not past holding your hand in this. Therefore, we have put on your handout today 12 passages that talk about how to dwell with women as a knowledgeable man. Those, you can begin to build on those. You need to do that. Being knowledgeable in, in, involves a lot of things even talked about in the Old Testament. You know, there is a physical phenomenon in womanhood called PMS. And if your girlfriend, your wife, your daughter has PMS, well, that can dog on you. I understand that that can get you down. Study the Old Testament because they already knew that a woman's physical makeup, what it was, and they knew that when all the rules for separation were set for the Jews because it is simply an intensification of the mood swings uh, due to hormonal changes related to that monthly cycle. Now, this is not strange to you at all as a man because you know the impact of your own hormone, of testosterone, on your attitudes. She only has to deal with it three days out of the month. Now, I know that you say, well, I think actually I only get three good ones, but no. She, she only has to deal with it. You have to deal with it all the time, right? So she has these issues that affect things, like the moon, cyclically. But no, you're kind of you're messed up all the time. So I, I know you understand 
the effect on your own attitudes and in your own life. And beyond that, the common American malady of our society is being bipolar. And it starts with the chemicals that leach in out of things into our food or water and change our hormones. And then we exacerbate it with drugs that bring us uh, imbalanced even more. So there's, there's big business going on in these things today, but none of the doctors, none of the medications offer a cure. And the only solution they have is to manage the symptoms and, oh, by the way, change your diet and exercise regularly. So what a woman is designed and created to have to do is to get her husband and her family to help her out. And we can turn to the Bible for that. Look at our six point for study because men and families have to read their reactions to women from the Bible and not from their mother or mate's responses to them. And here's how you learn how to love someone just from Jesus' love in your own heart. Do not ask them and say, why do you have to be that way? Because she wants to. So you need to know Jesus' steps to follow so you will know how to react. Step number two, verse seven, giving honor unto the wife. He places a value on her according to grace reckoning. You do not honor her because she's honorable, though she should be like you should be respectable. But you honor her regardless, because if you only do it when she's honorable, that's not giving. So you give the honor, you give the value, you give the dignity by esteeming her in your own mind, and it's shown in your actions. Peter does not say changing your wife. And most men already know if you're trying to change your wife, you are messing up already. And vice versa. But I'm not talking to the women yet. I'm saving that for next time. Most women spend a lot of time in self-pampering related to most men. Uh, most women work harder to make themselves feel good about themselves. So honoring her is simply you adding to what she already does for herself. It is you making her feel good about her inasmuch as that may be possible by you following the steps of Christ. So don't just follow in his steps. Follow these steps he is giving you. And I'll just say from my perch as a pastor that the reason why many women rebel against a man, whether they are wives or daughters, is because they're not receiving honor as a gift or they do, do not feel like they are. Now, every one of you men, you do that while you are dating. When you are on the prowl, you pamper the woman. Now, I hope I'm not giving away any guy, anybody's game. So if you're a single guy here, I apologize. I don't mean to give away your game. Peter says, make them feel special without you expecting anything in return, because then whatever you do get in return, that's a bonus. And you also need to consider the fact with her, as with yourself, you know, it took 20 years for somebody to make her the mess she is today. It, it may take you 20 years of giving honor as a gift of grace just to clean it up. Savvy? So that's part of what you know, which you need to react to as a man, and what you do in your heart of Christ's love makes it the only thing to do. So some of you men in your homes, you've got to decide to die. 
It may be with your wife, it may be with your daughter, it might be with your mother, but you're going to have to give, you're going to have to have it in your heart to die like Jesus did. What did Jesus do? Follow his steps. This is our seventh point for study. Heal the same person who's hurting you by the stripes they are giving you. And that is a thing that makes you a man adulting in the home. So number three, when a man loves a woman, you do this in this way, verse 7, as unto the weaker vessel. She can't take what you take. She can't take it physically, emotionally, or verbally. She's going to cry before you do, usually. She gets upset faster and stays upset longer, oh Lord. She cannot take what you take. She works, then she comes home to cook, and then she got to take care of the kids. Her circuits get overloaded because she can't take what a man was not only designed to take, but even to love taking. So what you see as a challenge, she sees as breaking her back. What is the solution? When a man loves a woman, number three, he takes so much more than he has to so that she does not have to take so much more. God made her weaker so you could do that. Number four, you do this, verse seven, as being heirs together of the grace of life. He treats her as a full partner despite those comparative weaknesses. Do not take advantage of those things which are her particular weaknesses. She's not your kid. Don't treat her like that. She may not be equal to you in physical strength, just like you are not identical to her. You may not be equal to her in mental strength. But she's your partner. And this is our final point for study. Your spouse's incompatibilities are meant to complete you in God's plan. Now, why do you look at it this way? Why do you define it from the Bible? Why do you prove that you have you are following Christ's steps by responding with charity from your heart. You do it because Peter says in verse 7, so that your prayers be not hindered. Prayer is so invaluable to you as a man that hindering prayer is used by Peter as a motive why in your marriage, in your relationships, in your household concerns, you must behave yourself wisely. If any management of your family or lack thereof is injuring your power to pray, there is an urgent need for you to alter that situation. If you walk contrary to God in this matter of following Jesus' steps, of having his charity love in your heart, he will walk contrary to you. So do not be on your knees praying, Lord, change my wife, if you are not doing these four concrete steps to prove biblical love to your wife. If you say, baby, you look beautiful today, and she replies, get out of my face. <laughs> well, pick your feelings up off the floor and keep following the steps of Christ. Because you need to remember, you are not Eros as much as you think you are. <laughs> you are not Lord Eros. I'm God, Eros. No, not as much as you think you are. And she is not phileo all the time. You got the bros for that. Would to God families would stay together even if it were for so weak a force as storge, but they do not. 
So you've got to be agape. You've got to be God love. You've got to be charity. You've got to love like as Christ loved the church fully by grace all the way to death because then you overcome by resurrection. And what you get in return will be God's reward to you. So I say to every man in here who may be in trouble in his relationships, take a straight path out of it, and this is the way. These are the steps, because a home is sustained by a man's love, and this is adulting in the home. Do the right thing, and then if that brings you pain, bear it as a man. Bear it like a man and then go to God and say, Lord, look, I have by your grace and through the power of the Holy Ghost, I've chosen to walk in newness of life and follow Jesus' steps. I will walk in resurrection life while I am waiting for the rapture or resurrection. So I will suffer for you right here in order to be rewarded with an inheritance from you over there. And I guarantee you that prayer will not be hindered. It will be heard. God, give us grace as men to walk in the power of his spirit according to the knowledge of his word, resting alone on the fact that this is Jesus' steps and he will make us mighty in prayer. And what you will see is that this is a greater reward than even having a happy marriage or having a home with no distress Because a man who is taught to have his prayers heard is one with God's mind and is God's hand moving among his family, this church, and the people in this city. Because when that man acts, God is moving through him. Don't you want that for yourself? First, you've got to become God's child by being born again. Get saved today, and all those things are possible to you. Every head bowed, every eye closed, every Christian pray. Just pray today, your heart to God, knowing that he hears, knowing that Jesus is alive, knowing that he will respond when you pray to him. Just say, God, save me today for Jesus' sake. I trust Jesus today for everlasting life. And once I get your life, I want to learn how to live according to your word, both in my life and in my home.